and welcome to the Food Coma Podcast, episode 16. Uh, this is a big one because this is the first time that we have multiple guests uh, fit into our enormous studio here somehow. Uh, so this will be an interesting uh, interesting experiment. We have uh, Chef Damien Sansonetti, who is the uh, chef and co-owner of Piccolo and Cheval restaurants, both in Portland, Maine. And then we have Chef Fred Elliott, who is sort of the executive chef for the entire Dana Street restaurant empire in Portland, Maine, which includes Scales, 4th Street, and Street & Company, kind of the, some of the more well-known restaurants in the city. Thank you very much for being here, guys. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, I feel like both of you, uh, actually, well, I mean, the three of us, even though I'm officially retired now. Uh, <laughs> I'm currently. I'm currently yeah. retired uh, <laughs> from the restaurant business. But I feel like nobody's really witnessed the amount of change throughout one career that I, I feel like we have as far as like the shift from like the restaurant world in the 90s yep. to what it's become now. I mean, it's pretty dramatic. And it seems like now both of you came up kind of old school. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, I know that both of you kind of you have uh, a strong background in, in sort of the family cooking uh, from a really young age. Right. Uh, so how has that, you know, how has that evolution kind of affected you? Like what's. Well, I mean, for me, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's just a very different uh, generation. Uh, that's what that's what it really it really represents now. It's you know, we, we can't we, you can't really act the way uh, and you can't manage a kitchen the way you used to. Like, right. It's not it's not the same at all. Uh, Primary know, examples of this being, um, you know, the, the, the cooks these days, uh, you know, are, are a lot more sensitive than they used to be um you know and that's for me that's that's what it is you know i mean i i worked with the french chefs in new york and you know um you get screamed at you get yelled at you get things thrown at you and i understand that it's not really the way we do things anymore um but you know it's like you can't you can't have an opinion and you know and then if if things are not going the way you want you know you it's okay to you know to uh express that to express that you, know? <laughs> you just have to set it up like that now my my feelings are things aren't going the way that i prefer them right now so let me express this to you rather than just chucking a pan at somebody's head um i don't know i like the old way personally uh i think it builds more character i think uh you know because everybody sort of it's like it's like a chain ranch right? everybody kind of dealt with that growing up or coming up through and then they sort of like got their chance to kind of dish it out a little bit but I mean, everybody's so, I, mean, I think from a, even a customer point of view now, I think everybody's so entitled. There's a sense of entitlement, I think, in the restaurant business. There's, there's some, but I mean, it's, there's, I mean, when I got in the business professionally in 1997, yeah. I mean, it feels like, I feel like an old man now. Well, you are. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, but, but compared but, to, but yeah. I also still you run around the here. kitchen, yes. like I'm a 21 year old and I'll still work on the line with the, with the whole team and. Um, I mean, I think the evolution of how things went and how the whole like, uh, food network and the whole thing, some of that's starting to run its course a little bit, thankfully, because not everybody's like trying to become on TV or be like, right. the next like chef I want my and, own show. I deserve my own restaurant. Right. right. You definitely saw some of that when you worked in, um, different bigger cities and stuff like that. But I do think that, um, and I think for myself personally, some of the kitchens that I worked in, some were huge, some were small. Um, but there's always this like kind of team family brotherhood kind of thing with the whole with the whole crew and you stuck together and it was like this 
one simple goal of pushing forward to make the best food and taking the pride in it. And I think there's some things along the way that have lost it in in a sense. And I mean, um, I know some like bigger chefs have like taken a hack at like the generation and the millennials. And but I mean, also at a certain point, like, you know, Dave Chang would call out the generation like everybody sucks. They're all, you know, bunch of wusses and they can't do this and that. But also, too, I think it's a point to ourselves because we have to look at it like there was a a chef that saw each one of us. Oh, absolutely. Wanted to give us a chance because they saw something in us and they were like, I remember the first time I worked in New York City and the first time my sous chef was like, go make me something. And I made him something. He's like, okay, cool. I'm going to put this to that and we're going to run this as an appetizer special tomorrow. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and then you feel part of that whole system. Right. however big or small it is. And there's some people that are not going to go to like become a chef, but there's some people that you can see some real talent in. And I think it's like, we have to kind of, I think it's up to us more now. It's kind of like the torch holders of a little bit of an old school and still take that drive and try and instill that. Cause there's still some great young and old cooks out there that want something, whatever it may be. There's some people that, just want to butcher. There's some people that just want to, you know, bake cakes or they want to learn this, that, but you got to find that it's, it's all about like, I think what lacked in for about 10 years or so was that passion. Yeah. That like, I want to do that. I want to work on that. I got to find that. Like, I'm not have, here just to say I'm here and I work right. here and then and, I do this. And, and that happened for a lot of years with people building yeah. a resume or going around. Cause like, Hey, I'm going to make com- six months here. Comically I'm stupid. Right. And especially like when you're in like Portland, you're like, it's not like, you know, I've, I saw some resumes during that period uh, that were so arrogant. And there's nothing, I, I, I love when people come in with a resume and, and everybody shares it around and laughs at the person. Um, <laughs> that always makes me really happy because I'm like, yeah, see, you because you, you deserve that. Like, you don't you don't get this. This isn't like the medical, you know, there's no HIPAA for you. We right. can talk all about your resume. Right. Um, and it's funny, but, but even starting in 1997, you're still even like comparatively to generations before where you're the further you go back, the more of a sort of industrialized, but cooking is more of looked, looked as like, you know, it's a brigade. It's a, you know, it's not a thing. You really, anybody cares to necessarily hear about the business. You know, it's like, they, 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 they want to hear about Paul Bocuse and like, they, you know, people right. like that. But as far as like, if you're a line cook or, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a hard, it's a job and it's a hard job. And I think that's how a lot of these guys kind of, you know, came up where it's like, who are you going to run and cry to? Like, if you don't yeah. like it, right. leave. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because I think that now, I mean, more so than ever, I mean, the job, like the pay, like, I mean, all this stuff with like tipping out the back of the house, which I mean, I'll be honest, I'm old school. I don't like doing that just because I think that it's just a fine line of separation. I've always thought that I think that, you know, the benefit of working in the back of the house is that you don't have to deal with people. And then the benefit of the front house is you make more money, but you have to deal with people. Uh, that's always just been the sort of divide to me. And there's always been a divide in the back of the house and the front of the house. I mean, I've always been cool with both, but most restaurants have this weird, like, you know. Yeah, it, it, I think it, it works in some environments. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like when I look at when I look at scales, when I look at 4th Street, when I look at Street and Company, it's all open kitchens. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, the cooks can't swear like sailors, you know, we can't just behave like, you know, donkeys. More like a sushi it, bar. Kind of, it, yeah. It's just like, you know, and, and people come talk to us all the time. You know, it's uh, they see what they they're fascinated by what we're doing, you know, and then I likes to put on a, a show, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And so 
we, you know, we have to talk to people and the cooks have to talk to people once in a while. And, uh, you know, so we have to, you know, we can't just be, you know, uh, pounding, you know, right. uh, beers and like, <laughs> like do you, I mean, do you, you know, what, what do you prefer? To what? Which one? To beer? Which setting do you prefer? The being um, able to pound beer and being uh, a closed no, room? No, I think, I think, you know, I think, uh, I think it's the generation that we're working with now, you know, some of them are kind of old school and they still like to get, you know, pretty destroyed after service. Yeah. Some of them, some of them just already were like alcoholics and treated. And, oh you know, yeah. I mean, and so, you know, yeah. so some of them don't drink anything at all. Yeah, much uh, more socially acceptable now to right. not drink alcohol right. than right. it's ever been, right. which I think is great for people. I think that, I mean, for me, that was the allure of the restaurant business. I can go do Coke and I can drink and I can get away with all that all the time. And cause I'm amongst like-minded right. folk. Um, but I mean, also when I wanted to stop, like it was pretty freaking difficult to put the brakes on. Yeah. And now you see like Andrew Zimmern and like Jamie Bisson and all these people organizing these like all sober, like tasting dinners and, and things like that. Um, and I think that's great because I don't think that, you know, it's, it's good to educate people on that and see, you know. Well, it, it falls. It, it kind of goes with how how the business is right now. And it's good like that. Like we have a bunch of people that are sober or that stop drinking on our team in both restaurants or whether it's like what they chose forever. And there's some folks that have been a couple of years. Some people have been a year, two years or, you know, even myself, I kind of just stopped drinking for about six months, you know, and just like to do wine taste and stuff just because like, ah, I'm going to take it off for just a little bit. But um, I, and we even did a temperance dinner at the restaurant, like mm-hmm. uh, oh, a month, uh, back in January. And it was, yeah. And it was sold out. Nice. And, um, Pat and the crew uh, put on some awesome cocktails and like people were like, no, there was alcohol in those cocktails. And it's like, no, there wasn't. He actually made a vermouth that it's not a real vermouth. Yeah. But like it was a, it tricked your palate into it. So, I mean, those kind of things and how the business is shaping up differently now, it's making us think a little different. Cause I think you could even throw in how like the whole vegetarian and vegan thing has kind of like flown in and gotten hard and heavy the past couple of years yeah. more to it where, Back in the day, it was kind of like, you know, everybody viewed it kind of like as a pain in the ass. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Everybody was like, they don't want to hear the vegetarian I still consider this in. a pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, oh, I don't, I don't talk to you too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that now it's like some people, some chefs I think are like, oh, you know what? That's actually something kind of different for me to do. I'm going to kind of take it on. I think maybe more the vegetarian angle than the vegan angle. I mean, you know, South, Southeast Asia. I mean, most of the, India, like right. most of the cuisine is vegetarian right. anyway. I mean, I don't find that. To be a challenge, but there was definitely a more, I feel like the entitled vegan is not as often in the restaurants anymore. Like the high, like they're at there, right. like they're, there's plenty of places for them. Well, it's like the person that, that they like go. wants to tell you about CrossFit all the time because they go to CrossFit kind of thing. So it's like. Right. They keep them at yeah. CrossFit and then they keep the vegan people at like the places labeled like vegan cafe. Was it like the Brass Monkey? Was it a place well, called that's in that thing? Copper Top? Some. Yeah. But to shit. be honest with you, like. I'm sorry to say this, but like most of the vegetarian vegan restaurants and I've tried them like around the like area and stuff like that. I'm not jazzed about them. We serve vegan vegetarian food at our restaurants. And I mean, I know we kind of aim for a different kind of thing. And like we have a lot of great produce and a lot of great stuff at our fingertips here. And we definitely get more creative with it. But man, like I kind of feel bad for somebody that's definitely eating vegan or vegetarian because your options are definitely slim, man. Like, yeah, you got to get like the vegan black metal chef. You got to like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you got to get creative. I mean, that's, if I was going to be vegan, it would be more because I was just 
want to find another way just to be bored with my life and another way to like be extreme and so you know a right. way to overdo something else right you know to take vegan to a point where it's so unhealthy and you know like a self-destructive vegan bath that's my goal um <laughs> but i think i think it can be done if i put my mind to it i bet i can do it um we had like a dark ages in the midst of all this i think it was like from in my opinion it was like 2010 to 15 where it was like a lot of places opened up that were like Oh, I'm just opening a restaurant because that's Portland, Maine's hot right now. And that's what I was supposed to do. And like, we're just going to do a restaurant and it'll just work itself out. We don't have to advertise because people will just everybody in the town reads food map and they'll just come in right away. And we'll be full and we'll succeed and everything will be great. Well, that's what it was when I, you know, like and that's what I noticed when I first moved into uh, to Portland. Uh, dude, when I met you, Bath when you were working at fucking spread. Yeah. Like yeah, 2010. <laughs> when, I was in two, when I was in 2010, that's what it, you know, that's what it, uh, it, it was like it was up and uh, up and coming, yeah. you know, and uh, it was just like it, it was. It's amazing now the changes that have happened in the city. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, think it came in. You raising your hand? I'm call on, I'm gonna call on Damien. Uh, that. that was a horrible name for like a proper. Oh, it was, it was oh we're gonna talk about like, that because yes, yeah, spread. If it, if it was a sandwich shop or like somewhere serving hummus or something or like. <laughs> Breakfast, maybe, oh, was, or like, or like an, or like an all-you-can-eat buffet, maybe. But like, if it, or if it was called it was spread all-you-can-eat, that would it was be the worst. Nothing <laughs> worse than that was flirts. I think you might have missed flirts, though. That yeah. was uh 2008. It was out on Forest well, Avenue. It, it's like for me, it was like you know, it, it was spread, like a, dude. a way to bounce back because you know I just had gotten <laughs> fired from uh, from uh, the old East Ender. Um, so oh right, yeah. I remember. Yeah, okay, no, that's where I met you. It was the old East Ender. Yeah, and yeah. so. Uh, anyway, so it's like, you know, a uh, job was offered to me. I took it. Uh, I was there for a while, actually, because, you know, we had a lot of freedom because we actually had a really good team. We had, like, yeah, and Chris we had a, and like, we had a good Chris, deal when we in there. It was just a stupid fucking Chris, thing. Chris I mean, Long is super like, talented. Worked for, uh, you know, uh, Charlie Trotter. Yeah, like Josh Miranda was like working there. Was yeah, he yeah, the time. good guy. You know, it's yeah, like, it's a, like good, a good bunch of guys. You know, um, the owners just, you know. Well, they're the same people that were the, the, the geniuses behind end to tail. And you're like, dude, listen, A, the end. The, the letter N. That's a touchy one. <laughs> I might leave that out. B, I was like, dude, like, and this, and this is the problem with a lot of restaurants. I think, you know, like going back to like, I mean, honestly, like Roustabout and the, a lot of these new places opening up where it's like you open a place, the public, it's not their job to figure out what you are. You know, like if you have a really confusing name. Like, people aren't going to do the work to figure it out. Like, they're just going to assume it's something else, and they're going to keep going. Like, well, that's, that's that's exactly my, you know, like, my uh, roster about, you know, uh, Enders is a really good cook, and he made really yeah. good food, and I went to eat there, like, several times. Um, the whole concept, though, it's like, you know, I, I go in there, I felt like I was in Ikea. Right. And then you it's have, disjointed, you know, you have you know? Those, those pictures of, uh, of sailors. And then you're serving Italian, you know, rustic Italian fares. So like, what, what is and the problem is, you know, these days, back in the days, like, I feel like back in like 2010, 2008, before that, you could, you could rent uh, a space and open a restaurant, which is, you know, two chairs and have like, you know, a kitchen, you know, I was half-assed put together yeah. and, and, and be, you know, just buy yourself a job, basically, you know, where you're just working like a donkey and you know you're just making enough money to survive, mm -hmm. and and that was that's that's I feel like that's a lot of restaurant had a lot of restaurants operated back then. You know yeah. now you can't do that anymore. You have to have a marketing team. Now you, you have, have to actually get branding. I mean, I had Sean yeah. Wilkinson on on the, yeah. on the show, and it's like, or anything like the podcast. This podcast, uh, anything you do in video now, like you can't afford to put out things that are less than as professional as everybody else. 
It has to sound as good. It has to look as good because everybody else is doing it. So if you look at all amateur hour, yeah, then you're all of a sudden you're starting out at a disadvantage, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, but you have to have a presence on social social media. You have yep. to have a presence yep. on 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 Instagram, on Facebook, on on Twitter. You have to have a presence. You have to like it's it's not you know personally you know. It, I like to take pictures, so that's that's yeah. cool, you know. But at the same time, you know, it's like you have to do it because yeah. that's how you that's how you detach yourself. You okay, know? I think I think uh, on that note, I have a suggestion for you that I want to say. I think your Pate on Crute needs its own Instagram page. Right. I think I think it's time. Yeah. I think it's time <laughs> that it had its own its own social media entity. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, I mean, it is a thing right. of beauty. Yeah. I also like it when you're prepping it. You have the things in it, it looks like the Titanic. Yeah. With like all the piping yeah, 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 things on the, the top. All the, all the chimneys. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. chimneys. Yeah. Now that yeah. was something. That was one of your first Instagram posts. Was your uh, Le Creuset uh, pan for or? Mold for that, yeah, yeah, all these molds, yeah, for uh, for for the pattern code because there's something something I always yeah, I don't to say do. it as good as you do. Yeah, well, sorry, you gotta have the accent. Uh, yeah, and, and, and if you have a if you have a real French accent, you 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 know people take you more seriously. Yeah, you know that's I, how it works. I've never been worried. Then yeah, you really understood that. that. You know, that's and, kind and, of a that's a, that's I, a I, that's active utility for me to begin with. Yeah, I feel like these guys, you know, like really work that work that uh, French accent because they know you know I mean they've been I've been, I for, I've been in French the US I've been in the US for 20 years and uh, some of these guys have been in the US from longer than I have and have like they still have like a super harsh French accent yeah. so it's it's I think it's funny I well think here's the funny thing when I moved to Boston uh, for that my ill-fated year there uh now, I understand the Italian language my, my name is spelled R-I-C-C-H-I-O now I understand R-I-C-C-H what sound that is that's a hard <laughs> CH. So technically it's, you know, Riccio, but we've always said Riccio because we're in Maine. And it's just like, I tried once having a conversation with my parents, trying try to explain to your parents they've been saying their own last name wrong their whole life. And then everybody before them have been saying it wrong. It's just like, but it was so funny being in the North End and the places like that. They'd be like, see my business card. And they're like, what's your last name? I'm like Riccio. They're like, no, it's not. I'm like, I know it's not what it actually is. Just bear with me. You know, yeah. just well, I, still, I have the same problem. I uh, had the same problem in France because my last name is Elliot, El Elliot, you know, yeah. and it's totally British. I mean, it's clear that it's from my, my family is from, you know, northern Normandy. So it's clearly that at some point someone crossed the pond, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, and in French, you know, everybody, everybody's like Elio, Elio, Elio. And it's. <laughs> It's not Elio, it's no. Elliot. You know, it's yeah. like, let's, let's. <laughs> so I've had this issue in France all the time. So we, I don't have this issue anymore, so that's great. But you know, it's kind of like people with Moet. It's not Moet. It's Moet. <laughs> yeah, there's no lot there. It's pretty funny. Let's get with the program. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm just glad we're here to set everybody straight. Yeah, you yeah. know, people wanted the records. If they wanted, this is really a show that I figured like we could really get the grammar, like the language barrier. Yeah, just straightened out yeah, yeah, for no, everybody. It's, it's 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 perfect. It's perfect environment for it. Yeah, but, um, it absolutely is. <laughs> But yeah, so you know, like the uh, so the that pate. I mean, that's it's it's a you've been sort of really working it for a long time. Yeah, the, like it's it's three years. It's an obsession for you. Oh yeah, you know, it's a, it's one of those things where you know, I in my heart, I just want to open uh, a little French bistro and just do pate en croute and all these classic French dishes. Was this going to be what um, the bitter Frenchman was going to be when you were doing those? Something like that, you know. Um, and then and then. Uh, you know that's in my but at the same time i know very well that you know i probably would i wouldn't probably stay in business because I, I would have to charge a pretty good amount of money for it i wouldn't want to have yeah. more than you know 
in ideally 30 seats, but you know, it's very hard to make money when you have less yeah. than, you know, 50 seats. So I think you know, it'd be fine. You have, you have 15 seats, just serve that and just take people's cell phones away. And I think you'll be fine. <laughs> I think it'll work itself right out yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a solid business strategy. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a great concept. You know, inexpensive, you know, no, I'm, not I'm a gonna, lot of turnover on the tables. I'm and take, take this cell phone. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, put it in the locker. Yeah, so know. just in case, you know, people are texting them like, you got an emergency, you got to get the fuck out of there. No, no, they won't, they no. won't ever get that message. You're eating at my restaurant, you're eating pet en croute, you know. You know, just that's just what you're just doing. Just right enjoy now. it. Yeah. yeah, but how are they going to take a picture of and put it on Instagram then and promote your restaurant? Right, that's, exactly. But, you know. Which, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, and I know what we're talking about, and I don't, I don't love to get into naming names, so I'm not going to name names, but it's just like there's a, a place that's open here where I don't even know. I've just, I've heard rumors that they take your cell phone and put it in a little locker, and I have not uh, actually, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Uh, really? Yes. Oh, you don't? Why? Little ramen place. Why? Because they say it detracts from the dining experience. And I'm like, hey, okay, there's a couple things wrong with that. A, I like to go eat out to eat alone. And I like having my phone with me, especially if there's somebody next yeah, to me who I'm trying to avoid. If I'm in my peripheral, somebody I can tell they're trying to get me in no conversation with them, and I don't want that to happen. Like, I need my phone. Like, I have to be able to put my face up to something. So it's like, I'm looking, I'm reading, like, don't talk to me. Also, yeah, God forbid somebody wants to. That whole argument, like people aren't taking good enough pictures of the food. And it's just like, how arrogant. Not whatever. everyone is Martha Stewart. Well, how okay. arrogant are you that yeah, you like are so entitled to be like, you, you're not allowed to promote my restaurant for me and talk about how much you like it. And, you know, let people enjoy it. And like, I don't think like there was an article that came on the paper a couple of weeks ago about that. And I kind of just ignored it. But it's like we got contacted for it. And it's like we don't have problems with people talking on their cell phones even in the restaurant. People will excuse themselves. And like walk outside if they have to, it's unless so it's like you know. What's another funny like thing about talking on calls. a cell phone? I'm like, you're talking at the table. I mean, I don't talk on this because I'm I'm trained just because it's like we're all just kind of trained not to do that, not to right. talk on the phone inside. But then sometimes I think about it and I'm like, it's just like me talking at this person in front of me. I'm just talking into this and not to that person. Right. I mean, granted, some people yell into the phones, which is the worst. Right. Now, how long have you both known each other? God, um, maybe eight years. Yeah, so you met in ever, Maine. Ever yeah. when you opened that that uh, uh, was it the called? rooster? The rooster. Yeah, yep. that's when I approached you. I think it was right about the time that I uh, got killed from Eastender. I think you know, and then I was like sort of like looking around and see like who's, yeah. who's doing what, you know. Um, so you know, that's that's when we that's when we met. Yeah, because yeah, we came and had food you guys cooked over at Spread. Yeah, we had a great meal there. Yeah, when you guys were cooking. Yeah, we just wanted. We just did what we wanted. Yeah, Not I mean that was the wanted. sort of appeal that seemed of the place. It was just like <laughs> I remember I went in there to sell wine. Yeah, and she sat me down and was like, basically just like, if you advertise for us, we'll buy wine for you. I'm like, that's not really how it works. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't really operate that way. I know that's hard to separate sometimes, but like, no. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it was pretty. And I remember when you first moved to town, Damien, you were doing the sonnets. Pop-ups. Yeah, we were doing the pop-ups. We did a series of pop-ups because we had an idea for a restaurant and what we wanted to do. And Is that what Piccolo became? No, Sonic no. was going to be kind of like a farm-to-table-ish kind of a like American restaurant in a way. But, uh, you know, whenever you're uh, trying to finance a restaurant, you hit lots of hiccups and snags yeah. along the way. I mean, we tried doing something in New York initially years ago and that never came to fruition and that's why we were like we're just done with new york and that's why we kind of were looking for the next place and we fell in love with maine yeah um 
But I mean, it took us a little bit of time, but then we had that space there where the rooster was for months. You did. Yeah. We were just trying to like kind of get I remember it when it was going. Papaya King. Yeah. That place is like so many different things. And so trust me, I think dude. we found out everything. We peeled the layers yeah. off and like the dead live wires in the walls and everything. So it took like, right. and it was the first thing that we had done and we did most of the work ourselves with our business partners. And like, it just took a little bit longer than what we thought. That's why we started doing the pop-ups to like keep myself kind of sane. Yeah, doing that. Plus, you got to do more refined experimental food rather than, you know, Blue Rooster was pretty straightforward. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, the Rooster was great to get here and yeah. it was fun because like, we're making fun hot dogs, you yeah. know, and yeah, fun sandwiches and we made tater tots kind of cool again and yeah. everything. So you actually, you actually, fun. you know what, you, you were responsible for putting tots back on the map here. <laughs> yeah. Tot yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah you were kind of like, you were kind of like right on the, you were right yeah, on the dude. forefront of the tot movement. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was just, it was just fun for us and we got to meet a lot of the the restaurant community here um, really fast like that with a small place and everything. So, it, it was fun. I mean, um, we ultimately just kind of, you know, got out of it and, you know, when shortly after Piccolo and everything because, yeah. Piccolo has been a success. It's six and a half years in now and everything. So no, it's what, 35 seats? Uh, 18. Only 18. 18 seats. Uh, 20 if we really squeeze you in there. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I mean, I worked at Bresca for uh, a second, but I don't remember. Yeah, it was 18, 18 seats. We, we, we adjusted like two or three, two of the tables from before. I mean, there's not a lot of space, but, you know, I mean, it's been successful. I mean, and uh, well, Luke seen, Luke's been with us for almost all six years yeah you know so um i think people are so loyal to you because of your choice you just hit them with the crazy staff drinks every now and then the staffies you get the four loco <laughs> vintage oh, dude, yeah, uh, Zima. that was uh, that, was, that uh, was fun yeah i mean they just never know what's coming with you you kind of keep it interesting like oh yeah yeah the, when, when what brought, happened when you broke out the four loco uh the staff well half of the staff didn't know what they were Ugh, so and the some of the staff that were a little older were like where the hell did you get that? Because that was like back like when Four Loco had everything into it. Like, right, it was like the original recipe. Well, like I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> like when Coca-Cola had cocaine well, in it. Well, the thing back in the day is too, like, um, you know, uh, Eddie Wang, the guy that does like yeah. off the boat. Off the boat. Yeah, yeah. We're friends and um, he's super good friends with my friend Michael Madrigal. And back when he had one of his other old restaurants, he had uh, all you can drink Four Loco nights. And he got raided, that by, just sounds like raided by the ATF. Idea. And they were like literally like Prohibition era, like like axing his like four loco stash and shutting them down and stuff. So I kept some stuff from like that, like, man, that must've been like 2007. It was 2000. You know when it was, it like was that. 2000. It was like, it started in 2005. Yeah. Because I know this because I was the wine, I was the wine buyer for this liquor store. It's, it's Jacques now. It's on commercial street, but it wasn't back then. It's called Donnie's beverage when I was there. And this is a place where we are notorious for just drinking Rumpelman's dips all day and blasting Pantera and being really aggressive. <laughs> I used to wear this costume that was like a bottle. I've like seen a that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a Billy D. Williams <laughs> cutout that I would stand yeah. next to a lot that said it works every time. But I, uh, I called it. There was this stuff that came in one day. It was called B to the E. And I was like, what is this? It was Budweiser doing an energy drink. Essentially, they were like in Red Bull sized cans, and it was B to like the E power, like B to the E, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, I remember obviously I, I drink a fair amount. I got a pretty high tolerance. But I remember the first time I like sat down with these things. I was like, I'm gonna fucking see what's going on with these. Like I had three of them, and I didn't know my name anymore. Yeah. Like I was out of my <laughs> mind, crazy. Just like, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna call this right now. These are going to be illegal 
in a few years <laughs> tops yeah. oh, because yeah. these things are fucking crazy. And all it tasted like was literally if you mix Budweiser and Red Bull. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I don't know what the chain reaction is here. That it must create some new chemical. Yeah, it's like blackout style. It's insane. And then they had these things called Tilt, yeah. which were like an orange soda version of that. And, but they came in a big can. See, when you're hungover, you do a tilt abyssal. You go in the beer cooler and slaughter a B to the E, then a Tilt. Over the course of two but minutes. See, Four Loco was fancy because their grape flavor was called Uva. <laughs> Plus there's camo, you know. Yeah. You know, they were because they're Canadian, right? Four Loco. I don't honestly, I don't know. But beyond like enjoying them for a little bit and then just being like, dude, these are like so this dangerous. It's not your mama's just, And then just stashing them and bringing them out that one night. It was like, OK, let's go, kids. <laughs> I, I, I will. I feel that way about uh, about tiki drinks a little bit, you know. Yeah. When we were at Rum, like, and you know, I you had you a couple rum. of I those. You were, I, I totally forgot he was yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> I uh, I got a couple of those one night. And I was just like, whoa, hello. I was, I was, you know. Yeah, I think when you were talking about your the temperance dinners that you're doing, yeah. and people were like, I can't, you know, there's got to be alcohol in that. I don't think that cocktails should exist. I think they should all be mocktails because I don't like people putting shit in my alcohol. Like, I like it by itself. <laughs> Straight up. I like it by itself. Maybe some ice. Maybe. But I don't like stuff in there to make it taste like something else that it's not. You know? So all of cocktails should be mocktails as far as I'm concerned. I think that if you want to get drunk, you just step right. it up. Even the classics? I mean, whatever. Like, you know, why, are you, whatever. why are you challenging me? Why are you, why are you nascing, Fred? <laughs> a nice, like, gin and tonic is good. Either. I mean, I, know, I like nice gin and soda more than gin and tonic. A nice is. Negroni, I don't know. And nice honestly, Negroni. I will say that adding carbonation Manhattan. to a beverage Manhattan, uh, you know. makes it hit your bloodstream faster. There's this one place in Boston called Back Bar where my ex-girlfriend is that she manages, or she, she did for a while. Uh, and this was, like, the only place that they, they had, like, two drinks they did. They had a mint julep. That was just done like the right way with like the crushed ice and like the silver cup. And like yeah. literally it was like you put your nose into the big bunch of mint while tipping it back and getting like the bourbon. So you're like smelling mint while it's like really delicious bourbon. And like, and then they also did a Pim's cup that was like they yeah, layered. Pim's I remember it was like good. cucumbers, ice layered up like all the way. And it was one of those refreshing things, you know, that and the Ramos gin fizz, which is a strictly breakfast thing. Uh, Sunday, I, I busted <laughs> out. I had... I make them so strong that it's like four drinks in one. And so I'll have usually three of them is the most I'll have at breakfast. Uh, and I always regret it. I like it. With- <laughs> so, so, so they're kind of like the same size as a Ricci Arita. It's, it's a Margaritio. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's about like that. People. I remember yeah, the Margaritio at Terlingua, but they had to put a two drink uh, maximum for people we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because of the time that I had to watch. One of the saddest things I ever had to watch was this. This kid and his dad had carried their mom out after she had three of them. And she was like old. She was like, you know, in her early 60s. So it was like a really hard thing to watch. She was destroyed. Like they had to like literally prop her up outside while they brought the car around and like carry her in the car. I saw that. I saw that many times at Rome. Those tiki drinks were just so strong. They're really sweet. People would get like. You know, and they were all like pre pre made and uh, um, so drunk, you know. I feel like I'd, when you make them in like those... I just think tiki drinks are, are appropriate to bars you swim up to, right? You know, like if you're in a place that has a swim up bar, that's when it's time <laughs> maybe to have a pina colada, right? Before being like, fuck you, just give me a shot of rum. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I don't want to play around with you anymore. That was whatever it was, okay? It's 7 a.m. and now it's 8, so let's do some rum. Going back, back pedaling a little bit to. 
your experience in New York, Jamie, we obviously you worked for Danielle. You, know, yep. you worked for Danielle, you worked for Barbalude and for DB Bistro, correct? Yeah, I was at DB Bistro, uh, sous chef there, sous chef at uh, Restaurant Danielle, mm -hmm. and then executive chef at Barbalude. Um, had the opportunity to work in Paris a little bit, traveled a lot, um, had a lot of fun, learned a lot. I mean, the funniest thing was before I started working for Danielle, I absolutely hated French food. And it was yeah. like one of those How do you funny hate French things. food, though? I mean, that's like a really general. I mean, I think it was back when I got into cooking and when I got to New York City in like 98. And, you know, there was when you're coming up in the business at that time, everything was classic fine dining French. And it, there wasn't um, anybody else except like some of the like old school, like um, American chefs, like uh, um, American Place and Gotham Bar and Grill and Union Square Cafe, you know, Alfred Portal and all those yeah. guys. Like you had kind of that thing, but they were kind of getting passe at the time. Yeah. Too. So now you had kind of like that nouveau French coming back in again. And like Lutes yeah. was still Wolf, kind Wolfgang of Puck was kind of like that too. Yeah, right? but he was on the other end of the other, yeah, right, of, the, of everything. But like world, you, like yeah. Lutes was still still kind of made sense. Lacote Basque was still around, but like on life support in a sense. But like you had the Danielles, you had the Jean Georges, you know, and you had this stuff going on. And I was kind of like, I was always like a little anti what was popular. I mean, mm -hmm. I like heavy metal to begin with, so I'm kind of like not riding with the uh, popular people all the time kind of a deal so i'm kind of like i Fuck don't want to follow the 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 leader <laughs> so to speak so right i was always like trying to get my head into other stuff but then i mean there was beautiful things in french food after i kind of like satiated myself on other cuisines and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i was like I, I i i need to learn this stuff i wanted to that's why i sought out to actually go and work for one of the best people in the business yeah, now and now obviously daniel's is a i mean he's a legend not even so much Strictly for his food, but just for who he is as a restaurateur. Like everybody who's worked for him is like he's an amazing person. Yeah. Like talking about like partying with him and like him like coming and be on tables dancing with like magnums and all this oh, stuff. Yeah, and it's like I almost like I, I wonder like would that even work in like Portland? Like a person like him? Like could you even pull that off here? Well, I don't think you can pull that off that much anymore because I think yeah. everybody's like. I remember like in the height of everything and, you know, we were one of the stops on the James Beard parties after parties. Right. And we were right across um, from Lincoln Center and Barbalude hosted the first of like, there's usually like six or seven sanctioned after parties, so to, so to speak, around town. And we were the first stop for all of the chefs, like basically everybody in the whole restaurant world. That's how I met Rob Evans. Yeah. Actually, when he won his award, he was there. Yes. And I met him that the year he won. I didn't really know who he was kind of, but I knew he would live in Maine, you know, was we bought seafood from like Rod yeah. Mitchell, you know, yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing connected. But then you did all these things and you'd meet all these chefs like that. But like, and yeah, DB's definitely like the party guy, but he also turns it off whenever he has to kind of a thing. He goes just far enough, um, but it won't stop well, him. He, from, he from, seems from, like somebody who who isn't going to have to apologize to people in the morning. Like he has right. enough he, restraint. He, he has his fun up until he, like, he's not going to embarrass himself. Right. His, Cause he also, the whole thing with him was like, I have a business and a company and people that are unresponsible. He's not for. a Mario Batali. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which dude, that whole thing with Mario, like I was a big Mario fan back in the day. And I, I multi Mario's was I, my favorite of all the cooking well, shows. Cause it was, it, it was the only cooking show that they actually had like real cred. Cause he's actually telling you about actual food and history and stuff like that. Yeah. And when all that came out, like some of us knew because it's like, it wasn't a surprise. No, know. because you knew he was kind of a little skeezy about things, but yeah. unless you worked for him, you didn't like know, know it, but it was also like, 
It's like it's like find out like Lance Armstrong actually cheated. It's like come on, man. Like really? Yeah, you didn't need to cheat. Right. <laughs> like, like you already had you had such an advantage <laughs> over everybody else. There are plenty of people that need to cheat to get ahead, right. and you weren't one of them. But it was just like, okay, but, you know, that's also like some of that old school restaurant stuff that I think we're better off for not having shit yeah. like that going on right now. I mean, it was just that whole thing with like the entire staff sleeping with the entire staff. Like, you don't see that anymore. I don't think. I mean, not that in the restaurant I've I mean, I mean, think I've worked in. Like, I think stuff that it happens it in. It used to be like that. Is it still like that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, was, I mean, it happened. <laughs> it, it, some, some things happen, but yeah. you know, it's not. I thought it was very convenient to sleep with people it's I work not, with all the time. It's not as uh, as as often as it used to be. You know? Yeah, it's, it's not like when it was in New York. Right? It's not as disastrous, I think no, you could yeah, say, or yeah. like. Um, or there's toxic. not as much of that intimidation factor with somebody like Mario, or you know, it's more like you know, actual just consensual <laughs> waiter to waiter contact. Well, I think it's also <laughs> Portland's also a much smaller city, and so you right. have to be a little careful about how you behave, and you know. Right what you say and you know everybody knows each other and so that's you know that you have to like tame it a little bit you know and and hold back and not you know go crazy yeah and i think i think then having the whole like doing all those things and then turning around and doing the whole like skimming the tips and all of that from like functions that they were doing right i think they yeah, got i'm like dude you can't you, know, you can't be scandalous and then make people even more upset. So yeah, of course they're going to tell everybody everything that just happened. Just checking with you. all the boxes off being an asshole. It's like, come yeah. on, man. Like, it's giving, know, yeah, that, that's such a sleazy, like, it's like, and, and, and like, like to the point, like some of us have all done some stupid shit in our careers and stuff like that, but like, yeah, nothing to yourself. where it would like, <laughs> nothing to where it would like relegate that. And it's just like, oh man, yeah. you know, but you know, I think some of those guys got what they had coming to them and you know, it's unfortunate, you know, that, some of our business got shown that ugly side of it, you know, but also but I think there's ugly side in all in, in most businesses. Right. So, but, you know. I, but you know, and people are still like, we've just flew, flew back uh, coming from Florida and there was a couple and like, we talked about what we did and they're like, I don't know how you guys do that. It's so hard. And it's like, well, we both work in the restaurant. Our daughter's growing up in the restaurant and mm-hmm. she's socialized to like meet a lot of different people, a mm-hmm. lot of different things. Like she's not afraid of certain things. Um, She's a much healthier restaurant environment. Right. And it's like she's curious about food and animals and things like that and farms. And, um, you know, I think like sometimes restaurant kids are a little more like well adjusted to what's going to come at them because they're in the open world the whole time. Yeah. And nobody tells them about the kids menu because they don't need to know about it. No. Because they'll be like a regular person. I I refuse to to do anything like that. You know, I take my kids to restaurants, you know, all the time. Mm And, you know, they come to eat at the restaurant that I work at. You know, they come to the restaurant, you know, because my wife works in the morning. I work in the, F- and, you know, at, at 12. So, you know, we kind of switch and they, they come to the restaurant. Sometimes, uh, you know, Simon, uh, my older, he'll, he'll clean fish with, you know, with uh, Catherine or, you know, it's so, you know, we, they, they see the, this side of the restaurant business and, you know, uh, we just. Or their food in general. You know, and, and eat food and, you know, uh, Simon uh, ate uh, like, you know, braised lamb tongs, you know, and, and all mm-hmm. these, all this stuff. She's very open to uh, eat a lot of things. Uh, Margot, not so much, but she's still really young. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just like, you know, we, I don't want a kid's menu. Eat no. the food that's offered at the restaurant. Yeah. Like, Why do you, they, they, they wouldn't know about chicken fingers and french fries here if you didn't tell them that they, you know. Yeah. They want to eat. And, <laughs> you know, if you're going to have chicken fingers, I'll make them at home. I'm not going to buy that at a restaurant. Right. That's, that's ridiculous. It's just strange. I've never understood, like, the the sort of go-to kid's palate. I think like, it, have chicken fingers. Have a pasta with either butter or red sauce. <laughs> like, like, 
I think it's more a way for parents to like you know to shut their kids well, up. The, yeah. Which know. trust me, there's a reason I don't have you know. kids. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's not for everyone, definitely. Right. <laughs> but I feel like again, it's more about where you started them. Yeah. Like if they didn't know yeah. about it, like if you've given it to them the whole time and you take yeah. it away, yeah. Of course, it's going to cause a shit show. Yeah. Right. But if they're not aware of its existence to begin with, then. No, just just eat the food, you know. If you want to hear about, you want to learn about parenting, just stick with me. I'll parenting, <laughs> parenting one one over here. I'll tell you what, our daughter will get all day long at the restaurant if she because like she loves steak, she likes it rare to medium rare. If her steak comes over cooked, she's gonna be pissed off. Yeah, and like we've ordered steak sometimes. It's like, Poppy, I'm not eating it. Why? I'm like, it's not cooked right, and it's like medium well, and it's not like she wants the juiciness. She wants it like bloody. If you walk into somebody, so if you go to someone's house, this is a Interesting. And you, and you like are around their kitchen. What is something that you notice about the kitchen that you'd be like, I don't know if I like this person anymore. Mm. Man, I'll start. If somebody has a really crazy expensive walk, like if they have like an all clad walk, I'm like, you don't need an all. This everything about that. <laughs> it's like a nonstick all clad walk, and I'm like, okay, you have too much money to throw away, <laughs> and this is yeah. That, for that me, would bother me. Honestly, for, like for me, uh, I, I don't go to a lot of people's house because, you know, I work a lot. And so, <laughs> and you are I, invited. You no. Know, and, yeah. and so, <laughs> and so I, uh, you know, for me, I'll judge you a little bit if you have a grill that, that's a gas grill. Gas grill. Yep. I'm sorry. Like, you know, if, if, what's the point? You know, just use charcoal. You know, just don't, you know, don't, don't, don't use the shitty charcoal, like the stuff that's uh, Kingsford. You know, yeah, that's yeah. like soaked with all that lighter fluid. You know, it's yeah. disgusting. Um, you know, just, you know, don't use a gas grill for, you know, Jesus. You know? Because you just charcoal, man. The briquette, I don't know, whatever you want, but just don't use gas grill. Like it's, you want, just use your broiler. What's the point? <laughs> yeah, right. a gas grill, you know? Please, come on. What's wrong with a gas grill? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I got both, but yeah. like, sometimes it's like, <laughs> I can't wait that long. Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would, it, would it get the briquettes and they get the wood under there the right amount? Like, if I'm like, okay, I got some time. I'm going to do this. I'll like, you know, take my time. But sometimes it's like, shit, we got to put the steaks on, the chicken on, the kiddo's going to be coming home. We got to light the other thing up. Yeah. Yeah. I've no. done, I've done like, uh, I've done like uh, like for the holidays I went in in the cold you know in the snow like I, I you're I, a real mainer now yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lit up the grill and uh, you know did a porterhouse like a, a two pound porter like three pound porterhouse on the on my grill yeah you know and then I, I you know I finished it in the oven real quick because it, it was taking a super long time well that's a but a, you know a lot of steak to come in it's so a lot of meat ass, so yeah. you know so you know so I, I I did that but you know it's just it had like a good, you know, at that point, like a, a good charcoal smoke flavor, you know. Yeah. I was like, no, come on, don't use a grill. Well, that's the thing. I think I feel like the, the whole point of the grill is the flavor imparted from the grill. Otherwise, right. I've always, I, I've never ever had the privilege of, I've always rented my whole life. I've never bought a, a place because permanence, I don't prefer the idea of that. Uh, I've never lived in a place with not had an electric range. I've never lived in a place with a gas range. Which is kind of you know so that's yeah. how I'm, that's how I'm used to like cooking in general. It's just like the worst example of that was when I lived in the place in Boston that had that stupid ceramic. Oh, dude, top. those are the those worst. Are, like you spill water on them and it like stains. Yeah, those things are terrible. That's what that so you know I just bought we just bought a house uh, in November mm-hmm. and then we had rented this whole time and then we were working on a gas grill, a uh, gas you know uh, stove the whole time, and got really used to that. And then we go to this house you know that we're slowly renovating um and then we have this electric uh oven and i guess there's like those ceramic like you know it's like one mm. 
you know, one thing that just, and it lights up and it's, it turns red. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't drop anything on that thing. And it's, uh, and it's like, it's boiling hot or cold. And yeah, it does get ripping hot really and, fast. Yeah, and so it's great with, for boiling water because yeah. it gets really, really Except hot. Except the water stains the top. But, you know, cooking eggs on those things is like, you know, you're like, whoa, okay, all right. If you want to make a French omelet, yeah. whoa, you gotta, you better know. You well, then a lot of them have like the two rings where it's like if you had to, if you do it one way, it does both rings, but then the other way, it's yeah. just the yeah, one, it's one ring, two ring. You know, it's like, stupid Jesus, oven. what's going on? You what know? kind of asshole is that in that oven? Yeah, Jesus Christ. You got to rip that thing out and get some gas. Well, in there. that's what we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? You got a Viking plan. range up in there. Trust me, it's the What do you plan. got at home? What do you got going on at home? Uh, well, we actually, when we were looking for a house, and then this is kind of sounds stupid, but like we probably took, we took over nine months to look at it, to find a house. Because our poor um, real estate agent that we had when we first started coming up here looking, she got pregnant and had her baby in the time span that we finally bought a house. Dude, it took us like five and, years. And yeah. literally the, the last mean, two houses we were going on, like the deal breaker like was we had a gas range <clears throat> to like cook on, which we're like renovating now to get in like a better range and stuff like that now. Yeah. Um, and that took us some time to like it, save yeah. up and, you know, do what we wanted to do the house now. But like. We're getting like a real deal, like range right now. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the goal. The goal is to get the, the real stuff in there, but like it takes yeah. time, you know. You, you have the range, and you have like all the beat up like restaurant pots and pans. You, oh, don't, you don't have a you don't have a hundred fifty dollar walk. No, you got nobody so, needs a hundred fifty dollar. Like, like grandma's old cast irons that'll yeah. outlive us, or like Lake Crusades that'll last. Yeah, you're like nonstick. Too. It already has yeah. a nonstick. Yeah, it's, it's already there. there. Yeah. It's already on. It's there. already yeah. It's, it's, it's there. You know. I think it's I think nice we have two like old school all clads and like. A couple of copper pots. We yeah. have a couple of, of different sizes, cast iron, like old, like Griswold cast irons and like Lake Crusades of varying sizes from like some from back as the 60s because they still last. Yeah. And we actually have one. I mean, yeah. We actually have one pot that's a Lake Crusade style pot from when Danielle had his cookware line. <laughs> I, I have a Mario Batali. The um, orange one? The it's no, it's red. Uh, oh, no, there it's was a, it's a, it's an enamel cast oh, iron ginger cast ginger iron, balls. Uh, pan, uh, it's in the basement. It's in the basement. I don't use it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, you're, uh, you're shame. To keep it that's right. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Rachel good. Ray's orange. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you you get, get the Rachel Ray. I go in the basement and I look at it. I'm like, oh, Jesus, seriously. No, oh, so. but dude, I will say, I mean. Remember when I was texting you how Lakers Day came out with that Star Wars yeah, edition? I like, got some. Did you get them? Yeah. What'd you get? Um, well, Ilma surprised Dude. me for... Uh, if you heard... Did I send yeah. you? Yeah, They're no, I saw that. crazy. Ilma surprised me for Christmas I actually with them. wanted them. And she like actually went shit. down to the store and waited in line, and she got the... The Han Solo and Carbonite one, and the Darth Vader one. Jesus. And we have the oh, little the Darth Vader one awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How out of the blue, like... Lake Crusade doing a Star Wars, like where the hell I mean, did that even come from? Because they sold out. Well, and of course I mean, they did. And they're good quality. And I mean, yeah. I kind of. I mean, they're look, technically cast iron, right? They're just enamel. They're enamel coated cast iron. Right. And if you, yeah. Like in your house, they will last you. You're going to pass them along. In the and the colors are amazing. Yeah. Well, dude, I love the old classic. Like, I love the orange. Yeah. The orange and the red Lake Crusade. I go for Provence in this house. There's one lavender. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I saw right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Provence. Okay. okay. Or, or the marine when I have a pie plate that's marine. Yep. But I, I, have, like I have a nice. Did my favorite like uh, that I, pond that I have is a, is a stove, a nice stove. Oh, uh, yeah, stoves are cooking. Really, yeah. You know, uh, just black cast iron, and those things are amazing. Like yeah. just, just really, just they're indestructible. Yeah. Absolutely indestructible. Just, it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, they'll last forever. All the raises, everything you can do anything in those. It's like it's it's. They're actual cooking tools. Yeah. Right. I mean, I will say that you know, 
there is nothing like a brand new all clad nonstick thing for cooking eggs sometimes when you really just want to make it easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> itself yeah. just like when you can i'm not talking about those commercials where people are like blowing on their eggs because i don't know what that, i don't know what that is <laughs> like when would anybody would ever do that <laughs> blow on it blow on it yeah blow, check watch it, it blow it blow, it, the pan. Look at that. blow yeah. the eggs out of the pan like there's a reason why those aren't used in professional kitchens <laughs> yeah <laughs> spit on them like blow on them. you can spit on them, you blow the eggs you can do all kinds while, of stuff while we're talking about kind of something like that you ever had somebody show up to the restaurant like a stage or a or a new cook with like some asinine like homemaker like a slap chop yeah or like something like like one of those like great peelers so like they can julienne while they're peeling at the same time oh everybody must laugh those people right out of the place uh, I don't know we had somebody show up to the restaurant with like a garlic peeler one time like you gonna peel one clove of garlic at a time? You're gonna you use just a, get like, like two a garlic stands. press? No, it, it, it's a, well, it has to be shown about garlic press, but like it garlic, it's like a rubber thing, and you put that's like, like a waiter showing up with a butterfly it, line you know. opener, remember, you know, like one of the remember ceramic knives? And ceramic, ceramic, ceramic. That was 2007, peelers? I think, yeah. right? 2007. That, was, that it was like it was brutal. Like, dude, I saw a couple of those in my time. I don't know. Like, I, mean, I cut my. I actually borrowed someone's uh, ceramic peeler one time in that. You know, it's, it, it's those things were like super sharp and uh, kind of dangerous and yeah. not like a. And they felt I, like I they felt those, like a toy uh, because how they looked. You know, those Swiss little peelers. Yeah, just the, the, the Y peeler. Yeah, whatever. they're great. Those yeah, they're great. like five bucks. They're fine. Yeah. And that's the things like you know, and, and, and you go to these kitchens and people have all these gadgets. You know, like all these things that they spent so much money on. You know, but you know they they have a all beat up like you know shitty tea file you know uh, nonstick yeah. pots you know it's all scratched up scratched up I'm gonna give you cancer nice. you know tea file whatever it's called yeah. you know uh, and it's just like it, it, but you Charlie know, Palmer the Palms series yeah, cover just, pot. Just, yeah just get it whatever home goods get it that even an all clad is not bad you know like they're oh my all clad's great I, I <laughs> love my all clad nonstick yeah, yeah, they're good pans you know yeah. uh, it's like just. Invest a little money. Yeah. And when the coating starts to go, get a, get a fucking new one. Yeah. Uh, Andy from Hyrule Lobster Co. When he did the show, he, he talked about how he'd love to have a restaurant that where it was an open kitchen and everybody just used slap chops. <laughs> it's just like all stuff like that. Like what we're talking about. Yeah. Like everybody just using kitchen gadgets, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I can't think of, i say the most gadgety thing I have is a salad spinner. Those work though, but they work. But that's like yeah. everybody uses them to like dry off your <clears throat> herbs or delicate lettuces or anything like that to like so you're not sitting in like water and they turn to shit in it. Because water really exactly that's right. like the number one salad killer yeah, is water. Are, those are like probably the best actual gadgets. I'm like somebody has that at home and I see that I'm like, oh, okay, you you get it. It's like um, I, I mean I remember like back in the days. Uh, my grandma had just this like wire net that you would just put the lettuce in. You would wash the lettuce, put it in, and then you just have to go outside right. and, and kind of like it. swing it well, around. It reminds know? me of there was a guy recently who was like, it was, it was a non-related thing. It was more about fitness. It was like this guy who's run all these marathons. And he was just basically like, I want to tell the whole world that everything you need to be in the best shape of your entire life, you already have. You don't need to buy anything. You don't need to join any crazy gym or start any crazy program, like you just being human and having access to being outside or whatever, like you already have all things. I feel like cooking is the same way. It's like you can technically, if given like four pans or whatever, and one decent knife and, you know, it's just like you can get creative. You can make anything happen that you need to happen. It's not going to be as like easy and flashy or whatever, but it's like if you want it to happen, you could. No, but you have have people like, you know, come all the time. They, They spend fortunes on knives. 
you know, and, uh, oh, yeah. and I mean, fortune. Well, I'm going to show you the knife I got from, I got to give a little shout out. They're not a sponsor. Strata. It's a Strata. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that's place. I want one of those, um, grim knives really badly. Have you seen those? They're like the really dark carbon looking, but like in the yeah. handle, they have like the skulls and all that stuff. They're in Maine making those knives. Yeah. They, they're not affiliated with the show. I bought a all, bunch of French knives from him because I really like the, uh, the old K-Sabatier, you know. Sabatier, that's, his, that's the French knife. The only one he carries, right? It's Sabatier. Right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Well, he also carries a Perceval, which is... I like that he does not even want to work on the German knives, like Henkel's and Wusthof's. Yeah. He's not- like... They're not what you need anymore either. And but I mean, like as chefs, I think we have a little bit of a knife fetish at certain points. Yeah. And like especially early on in your career, you want like this and that. And especially like we lived in New York City, and you go to like JB Prince, you know, or is it? Corin, Corin, you saw like, Corin, Corin, like, yeah, Corin, Corin is the first place go. I ever saw a ten thousand dollar chef knife. Oh, and I was like, like, I'm like, I don't even have any business touching that. I'm like, unless you're like Morimoto, nobody needs. A ten thousand. Probably he doesn't need a ten thousand dollar chef knife, but or sushi well, knife. But it's like you know, I, I always tell the guys, that, you know, the people that come in and, and and ask me like, what kind of knife should I buy? And I always tell them like, you know, just just make sure you know how to sharpen it. Yeah, that's yeah. the first thing you need to know. Like, if you're gonna drop like five hundred bucks, seven hundred yeah. bucks, twelve hundred bucks on a knife, you know, that's right. I've never owned like and, a and paring if, knife or anything. I've and, always just had a chef knife. Yeah, and I have a I have a cleaver if it's something that's gonna. Damage yeah. would damage the knife. Oh, yeah, trouble. Pairing knives, you buy like the like five dollar Fortuner pairing knives because they're either going to get stolen or lost or broken. I don't even know. I've never even understood you know? when to use a pairing knife and when not to. I just, I just don't. I've never used one. I remember working in the kitchens in uh, in New York. Like you know, you always have like all these Mexicans that would just have these Dexter knives, and those things were razor Dude, sharp. They're razor yeah. sharp. Razor sharp. They were well, sharpening them every day, and they were just almost, like razors. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I have expensive well, knives, but as I we all like know, a sharper knife is safer than a dull knife. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got to be sharp. If you're going to cut yourself with something, but you want to cut yourself with a sharp knife. You want to spend 500 bucks on a knife, but then you're not going to buy the stones that, you know, are going to help you making sure that knife is sharp or learn how to sharpen it. And that's knife. the cool thing about this guy, Evan, at this, at, if you're listening in Portland, Maine, there's a knife store called Strata, uh, is he's like way geeked out on the different kind of stones oh, yeah. and like oh, yeah. different yeah. sharpening techniques. I'm yeah. like, I love that kind of stuff. Like, and hearing somebody who's passionate about yeah, yeah, passion, like you know, like yeah. that's a very niche thing to yeah. be passionate about is different kinds of whetstones. But uh, I think I got super that, excited when you uh, when you opened the when I learned that he opened a, he was opening a store in Portland because I, I feel did like you know that, him before. What's that? Did you know him beforehand? Or? No, no. Oh, I no, just no. we I met him like he's, he started uh, you know talking about French knives and I was like oh well, you, you wait hold on you have some Sabatier knives yeah. you know he's like yeah yeah I've got a few and so he came to uh, I was at street. He's at not the a time. snob either. No, no, he's really cool, really approachable, yeah. uh, and uh, you know he's he's. He came and like dropped off some French knives. Like, oh, yeah, I'll take this one. I'll take this one. I didn't need it, but you know, I so I then I rebuilt yeah. an entire knife kit, all nice. French knives, you know, uh, and then so it's just like you know, uh, it's he's he's a great guy. And but he also, you know, I sent all a lot of cooks to him because he also is not going to try to sell you the twelve hundred dollar knife. He's going to try to sell you the knife that you know that's good for you. Right. You he's know? like, if you want a, a flashy knife, right. I'll sell it to you. I mean, I yeah. have them. Yeah, you can buy a Perceval knife, you know, the, those French knives that are 700 bucks a pop, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I like. I mean, it's the kind of thing where I'm also like, if you use it every day, you know, I've spent $700 on like a bender in two days, and that's right. all, and then I consume everything, and it's all gone. I'm not going to show for it. But if I had a yeah. knife, that'd be something else. Yeah. I think yeah. we should go to our sponsors. So if you were listening to episode 15 of the podcast, uh, you would know who Pete Bissell is of uh, Bissell Brothers Brewing. Now, this is an interesting 
interesting phenomenon with them. They kind of like they came on the scene in like 2000, like 14, you know, 13. And they, and they really nailed it. It was like initially it was like the marketing. I mean, like the beer, like the, the substance is like their, you know, kind of flagship yeah. IPA. And they sort of like you did with the tater tots. They sort of defined that New England hazy. I don't think that was ever a term before them. No, I think they really got the it stuck with them of that hazy New England or just Maine IPA even just, you know, yeah. kind of. That's the kind of thing, and and their their logo was eye catching, like right away, just that logo, because you didn't know what it was. I always liked just that it was silver and blue and shiny, and I was like, "Ooh, I want that." Um, but I think now it's obviously it's become much more than that. And I think it's really cool because they have opened in Milo, which is where they're from. Yeah. They have Bissell Brothers uh, Three Rivers up there, uh, and it's different because they do all mixed fermentation and sour oak uh, aged beer up there. So it's like you'd think that'd be what they're doing in Portland, and not so much in Northern Maine. You think that this would be you know kind of flipped up but that's the way it is there's a very different selection of draft and in, in, in to go at the two different at yeah. Thompson's point and in milo uh and i think milo again we discussed this a bit in the last episode but i think milo was more of a, a passion project, you know for them that's just you know worked out it's like there's nothing like that up north yeah, a you got more space you can do what you want to do kind of thing too and you know it's just you the, the space thing is the biggest thing i think because when you have that and you can just put in your gear and just have fun yeah i mean there's so many breweries now i think i think that bissell was sort of right after i think oxbow was the one that sort of started the new wave i think yeah you know there was the there was the 90s wave of you know geary's allagash shipyard all those things um and then Allagash, of course, you know, weathering the storm and still being relevant after all these years. But I think Oxbow kind of jump-started the, the business around here yeah. as far as people, be, you know, distributing themselves, like promoting yeah. themselves, like just and promoting like lifestyle. And I think that this will kind of took it to the next level as far as the aesthetic and the beer and just, you know, they were the first ones, I think, before even like Maine Beer Co. that had people like waiting outside yeah. to buy beer and had to put a limit on how much you can buy. I mean, that's kind of... That's pretty. Oh, I mean, you see how I mean they they do have a style, and like you can define that where it's not like I mean some breweries they're all over the place and you don't know what they're about. Bissell has their I mean they're they have a vision for their for their beers too. Yeah, you know I think I think you can say I mean, it's like restaurants that have a vision, right? You know, and like they are one of the brewers that have a good vision from the get go of what they kind of wanted to be. It's not half cooked. It's just like they came into it <clears throat> knowing exactly what they wanted to yeah. do. They weren't just winging it. Uh, and then they, of course, uh, High Roll Lobster Co., uh, Andy and Baxter, started out as a, as a food cart and then ended up, they all partnered. So Pete's a partner with them when they opened their brick and mortar on exchange for the High Roll Lobster Co. And again, like it, it's, that's a niche. Like it fills this complete, you know, niche in the market, like lobster rolls, but with like lots of crazy different sauces, like lobster ghee or like, you know, hell, like red chili mayo and, you know, things like that they actually randomly have one of the best cheeseburgers around which is funny it's like not something i think a lot of people necessarily know about they do like a brisket burger yeah that is insanely good uh and then of course there's like the more popular things that like the basically it's like a cheese lobster taco it's like a frico basically <laughs> like a frico lobster roll essentially like um, uh fried cheese shell uh but they've been uh very successful doing that I, I, those guys are great I've, again andy's been on the show before as well we talked about uh food tv and i had to 
backpedal a lot because he was younger than I thought he was. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you don't have a, any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let's just fast forward. But it was all good. We made it work out. Uh, so, yes, Bissell Brothers. You can go to Bissell Brothers, B-I-S-S-E-L-L, brothers.com. Uh, you can find them in Portland at 4 Thompson's Point, uh, number 108, or in Milo at 157 Elm Street. Uh, if you're looking for High Roller Lobster, uh, they're at 104 Exchange Street in Portland. And you can find them at High Roller Lobster. Dot com. And we are back in episode 16 of the Food Coma Podcast. I'm here with Damien Sansonetti, uh, who is the uh, chef and co-owner of both Piccolo and Cheval Restaurant here in Portland, Maine, as well as Chef Fred Elliott, who is the executive chef for Scales, 4th Street, and Street Company, also right here in Portland, Maine. We've been all over the board a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> do you still own a microwave? A French yeah. oven? Yeah, yeah, it's a French oven. It's a French oven. What's, yeah. Now tell me about what's that mean? Well, as far as I understood it was, and I didn't understand, I never thought it was a French oven until I started working at DA Bistro, and they were like, yeah, just throw it in the French oven. And <laughs> the guys told me that they got the moniker from National Lampoon's European Vacation whenever they go to Paris, and they're sitting there, like, I think outside the Eiffel Tower, and then they're like, you see them like plating food up with a little French flag and they have a, a wall of microwaves and they're like, yeah, we call everything. We call the microwave the French oven and it like irritates the French guys. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I've never actually heard that. <laughs> it's so funny. I've never, I've never heard that. I, I got rid of my microwave a really, really long time ago. It's good for every now and food. then there are these little moments where I'm like, I could use a microwave. I don't really want to make popcorn over the range. <laughs> Like, so I don't, I don't, I don't eat popcorn anymore. I think we used to heat up dog food. Dog food? Yeah, we like cook chicken gizzards and hearts for our dog in there. And then slice them up and throw it in there. That's probably I, I, the know, most thing. I use it, I use it to, to defrost things, you know, like, uh, you know, and uh, you know, heat up milk sometimes because it's, you know, way faster than just putting on the stove and like in the pan. And, yeah. You know, things like that, you know. I guess having kids maybe might. It's good. Yeah, you know, it, 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 sometimes, it, you know, you avoid a crisis, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes it sometimes it makes sense. You know, you can actually temper chocolate in the microwave. Yeah, you can well, actually last, temper you know, chocolate really well on a microwave. You know, so the last it, microwave I owned was 2008, and it, <clears> it, it broke when we, we rendered large for five hours in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that for that microwave that was all there's certain yeah. applications yeah French oven, okay <laughs> it's just funny it's just one of those like when you're growing up before you really are into cooking or or whatever and you know we we all i think we're all roughly in the same age group here yeah we grew up in the 80s yeah, the '80s was very much about microwave. You know, you had that uh, yeah. microwave with, like the setting, have, like, pizza, <laughs> popcorn, for like yeah. cookbooks for the microwave, and like all it was like souffle, like yeah, the button for all the different yeah. things. Like whoever used those buttons, like a psychotic person. Some of the old ones were so f- they were like the size of a goddamn television set. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, like, <laughs> and they looked like a television set. Yeah, it was like you'd see them and like, what the hell? Is I remember there was always that thing where you're like, I want to make hot chocolate, and there's like a random copper ring on the mug, and you put it in. I never terrifying. Had, I never had a microwave until I moved to the U.S. It's such a, see, to me, like, we call it a French oven. To yeah. me, it's such an American. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I feel like now it's been replaced by the Instant Pot. I feel like it's like the new microwave. I feel like the new microwave is uh, sous vide. 
that's I think so much more involved than the instant pot. Like having an immersion circulator <laughs> is not something most people are going to have or deal with or try to deal with. There's more people that I, have there's it. There's a lot of people that have, have immersion have, circulators yeah. Oh, yeah, at man. home. I mean, you can buy oh, yeah. you can buy a cheap one at like yeah, Bed yeah. Bath Beyond for like fifty bucks. Yeah, like I'm really. Like, I, yeah. There's people in the restaurant that ask us all the time. I'm like, we don't really do it. We circulate eggs. Don't you have to like we do don't the whole do thing with like else. a? Don't you have to have a? Sort of shrink wrap the stuff before you. Well, see. you can, but you can also. No, you do can like also like yeah. cheater with like a Ziploc bag. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's in, and immerse it in water, and then you. So what? What is the, the stuff out. that is better in that way? I mean, Sufi was like a. We're going to talk about trends in a moment. Um, it was definitely a restaurant trend for a while. If I'm at home, like what? How does sous vide make my life easier? You make less of a mess in a way, but and you can achieve. A restaurant quality product way easier and this is why and i know we both are on the same thing here you don't know or learn anything and you can't teach you anything because once you have like the weight of a product for, and then you put the time in and the temperature in it anybody can do that and it doesn't it 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 doesn't add any of the feeling or the actual classic style of cooking to it then and you take some of the soul away from the food too like there's definitely applications for it like if you have a Party like I've used it back in the day. Like we had a banquet for like 500 people. We oh, had yeah. to do like rack of land for 500 people, and I wanted to make sure that it was all going to be medium coming out. And all you had to do is put a little roast on it when it came out of the oven. And because you have cooks working with you, you don't know who they are. You sous vide them all, cool them down. You can cut them all, and you know they're all going to be perfect. And you can worry about anything else, not like somebody sending out raw lamb or overdone lamb to right. like parties, but. On certain things, I mean, there's been some chefs that have built their careers on sous vide cooking and some very famous. I feel like it's very chefs. Top Chef. That was like when Top Chef started, was when that praise, I think, sort of right. coincided with it. Well, that was the first time I saw a lot of sous The whole reverse searing thing, you know, like yeah. where you cook your steak, you put a ribeye and you cook a bunch of ribeyes to, you know, medium rare. And then, and then, you know, and then you take them out of the bag, yeah. keep them keep in water, keep them in that circulating water okay. like, at a certain temperature. And you can keep them like pretty much all yeah. night, and then take them out of the bag when you, when you have to it. fire it, and then sear it. I guess I've just I've and never I've never cooked with know. one, so I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. know nothing. So about. it's like, you know, it's it's. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like it's a it's a pretty good application for the home cook. You know, uh, I, I feel like restaurants have sort of gotten away a little bit from that. You know. Yeah, uh, I think I think some of the newer generation chefs <clears throat> are not using it because either they weren't super exposed to it, but I think there's like the Daniel Hums of the world. And I know they've used it at 11 Madison Park a lot, really high profile restaurant. Mm -hmm. But why do you have to sous vide? If you can't give me an exquisite duck breast cooked classically, skin rendered, um, tempered, skin. tempered the right way, nice and medium rested through, um, classic style, you don't know how to cook a duck breast. And we're, as chefs, doing a disservice, not just to our guests, but also to our team and our cooks, because like we're not teaching them what to do. Right. Because like no. that's like a, that, that, that's a, a skill that so it's you a shortcut. Yeah, but I mean, there's some things with sous vide. If you wanted to, you can make a <clears throat> quote unquote like medium rare short rib by cooking it for like three days at a certain temperature. But to be quite honest with you, I'd rather have my short ribs roasted, braised in red wine and beef stock and glazed up, super sexy, falling off the bone and unctuous. Like I don't want to describe it like that. Like short rib. Damn, yeah. You know? No, like that'd no. be more like uh, it's a Korean style, like Calbee, right? It's more like a medium rare short rib, wouldn't it be? Uh, yeah, but 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 I mean, you can like do a short rib like steak almost, yeah. and you can cut it with a knife and eat it more like that. But like, it doesn't give you like, and that's like the soullessness of the cuisine. Like, it doesn't give you that like when you're eating something, you're like, 
fuck, that's good. Is you know? it weird that I dr- drastically prefer seared foie gras to cold foie gras? No. Mm-mm. I just do. I feel like that's what hooks you on foie gras to begin with, is when you have that perfectly, that first seared, the way it just coats your whole mouth. and right. It's just rich. It's and like, I've had oh. plenty of torsion. I've had plenty of, you know, great pâtés, but it's just like, or mousse, mousse but it's just, they don't, I don't feel like that the pleasure isn't there that you get with the seared. Yeah. Well, there's caramel- caramelization that happens when you grill or like, you know, yeah. or sear foie. So it's a, it's a different flavor profile, you know, it's a yeah. lot more in your face, you know. Yeah, some, like but some people tend to like religiously only do more the torsion. I'll the, do I'll do everything. I'll, yeah. yeah, as long as it's far around, I'll just whatever, whatever yeah, way. Yeah, good. I don't care. You know, it's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> I say if I'm going to do torsion, I like uh, when they do it with a monkfish liver. The Akimo. The only time Naki. I've ever had that was when Masa had. Masa is the only person that's ever made it. I've tried that, that way. That's one of the only foods in my with entire Ponzu. career I cannot like conquer it somehow. But and why he I don't had, know how he gets that texture to the Akimo well, because he, it's such a it was beautiful soft yeah thing. It's good. Wait, I mean, like foie gras is not soft, like like Ankimo is. I mean, if you've had regular Ankimo nigiri, yeah. like any place else, you're like, how do you work that yeah. into that sliceable? I've thing? done uh, like uh, boiled monkfish uh, livers, and that you know the 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 caramelization that happens on top of the the liver kind of it, it, it's really. Reminds me of foie gras, you know, and, yeah. and that that was really very good. If and if the monkfish is the liver is fresh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, monkfish liver is absolutely delicious. It's, it's like not that, just a slightly know. sea flavored yeah foie gras. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not as aggressive as an oyster per se. You know what I mean? Like, oh, absolutely not. Less you know, brine than oysters. Like, yeah, very, less yeah. brine than uni. I mean, you know, for sure. Very, uh, yeah, yeah. I do, I do like that. Um, and now to go complete contrast to that, when I was working writing for Dispatch magazine. Back in 2000, um, I guess it was 15, 16, whatever. I would do these segments called Too Much of a Good Thing, where I'd get like 17 of the exact same store-bought things, and we'd do all together. So Damien uh, had the <laughs> pleasure of doing the mac and cheese Christ, how version. many did we cook that? We did 18 we did different so mac much. and cheeses. Oh, my God. Uh, that we decided, because I was like, and it's funny, because all these things, like, I still live by them to this day. Like I only use like Kerrygold butter. Like I only get like certain like stocks and coconut milk. Like I only buy that one, one kind of coconut milk, the Choya or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so they were very useful because they were all store-bought items. It wasn't like we're going to farmer's markets, whatever. These like, these are all things you can get at Whole Foods or the grocery store. Uh, and so we did mac and cheese and and it was like the whole, and with that one, it was like we're, we're going to prepare all of them as they say. Yep. Yeah. Because some of them, like it was funny, they tried to sneak it by you. They remember they were like they omitted the butter, right? Yeah. To to like make the, the like, calorie count the less on the side. On the remember there was that one that was like the carb, like the energy. oh yeah, the like the like the like it, it was like the athletic fit one. Yeah. Oh my god, it tasted like sawdust. <laughs> it was so. It was like why are you even bothering? And like it was, and like the sink it was kitchen so one. Tan. Oh man, so tan. Oh yeah, just the noodles didn't look good. Yeah. Let, let alone how all the powders look. That was the one where the powder changed color. Yes, that was so <laughs> weird. It's so funny. I, I think that like. As much fun, it's like food is just enjoyable, and I think that part of it is too. Like when you're just like, everybody has an opinion on mac and cheese. Yeah, and it's funny, and still always in these things. Like in the, for instance, with Melanie and Pliny and Wilson at Terlingua, we did uh, box chicken stock, and coming out number two, Swanson, with Boyfriend F and B, Birch and everybody peanut butters. We did 
18 peanut butters coming out number one, two, Skippy. It's just like, it's so funny how you still gravitate towards those like nostalgic flavors because yeah. the Blue Box came out in the top three with ours, the craft. Yeah. yeah, the regular craft. Yeah, we had like a gazillion different kinds. And, you know, <clears throat> and it's funny. It's almost like the more like quote unquote organic they claim to be the worse. Yeah, because there's this there's some of those things that you can't like. It's what it is. Polish them up for a, for a thing. And it's almost no. like, you know, you're better off just making, unless you're going to go total restaurant style and make a bechamel with it, you're better right. off just getting like, you know, the Velveeta shells and cheese. Yeah. And you can know. improvise like with craft, I'll like use like sour cream or like creme fraiche instead of milk or something like that. You know, and it's yeah, like. Yeah, throw a little more butter to it if you yogurt. want. Yeah. Whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. but. It's funny. Know. It's just, but the, again, it's like the only way you can ever really gauge is when you get to taste them side by side. Did you guys ever do like ramen noodles, like packaged ramen noodles? I didn't because there wasn't, see, I wanted, the whole point of it was like the even playing field. Well, like, because we did like soy sauce, for instance. That was, that was Carl and Bill at East Ender. We, me and Dietz, and then we did 17 shots of soy sauce, like Whoa. chased with sushi rice. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but it's like, you know, you have to keep it even, like no low sodium. Like it has to be all one kind, like a chicken yeah. sock, uh, coconut milk even. There's just, because there's so many variations. So it's like, it has to be something that there's enough examples of that are the same thing across the board. Whereas ramen's a little tough because, you know, like Shun ramen versus like Sapporo. I like Sapporo ramen personally, if I'm gonna do an instant ramen. Uh, so as far as we were talking about, we started to talk about trends earlier with the sous vide. Uh, I feel like a lot of the trends have started to go away that were really bad. I'll start. Um, the trend of the charcuterie board where a restaurant would try to make 16 kinds of charcuterie on their own and present it. And you're just like, this is so all wrong. Like nobody makes 16 different kinds on their own. Like the whole point is you make one or two really well. Yeah. You know, you spend your whole life perfecting one, maybe two. Yeah. And I, that, I just, that was so obnoxious for a while. It was just that, that like, and it was always, it was always be like the thing that when you go to a restaurant and your friends work there, that they always send out. Yeah. It's like the, hi, here's this huge board of like, mediocre meat <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. a mustard well, there was a lot of people that made that just didn't understand how to make it too. it's kind of dangerous when you don't understand yeah, how I to mean, make it a eh? yeah and it, it, it wasn't good there was a lot of places that just weren't good as you're too salty or under cured or bad, bad like if you're gonna make it yeah, here's my brazola and my duck prosciutto and my prosciutto it's like in my soap yeah. you're like those things you don't nobody makes all those things no <laughs> that's just not a thing people no. do I stay away from like uh, cured meats, you know. I, I, I usually I do like you know fresh charcuterie, which is you know pates and yep. you know and stuff like that, you know, because I feel like it's it's safer in a way, you know, and I don't have the right environment to age things right. properly. Which is nothing. People don't take that into account. They're like, oh, I can just do whatever I want. Yeah, I you know. Up. I mean, it's it's like that's a whole different world that I don't mess with. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I've had like uh, a lot of really bad charcuterie uh, in Portland. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, when it's so, just like that, like almost it's like the, they don't do the fat, right? It's like pasty, almost like dry, dry, you know, like, yeah, you have to cut it with a knife, you know, like, because yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's not you press the shit out of it. And so now it's like all the juices ran out, you know, because you just want that perfect brick. <laughs> and I think a lot of that, again, I think that is that dark ages, the, the 2010 to 14 yeah. era that came from you people know? just didn't understand what it was and there's a lot of stuff i mean just the sanitation factor of it like when you're doing that stuff mm -hmm. you have to weigh it you have to have the right humidity the right temperature you can't like go cross-contaminating things because you know like 
I we were able to make some of that stuff in New York, and we had like an aging room, a sweating room, and right. a curing room, and like just a. We had a section of the kitchen just to make charcuterie pâtés, <coughs> hams, dry cured meats, and everything else. Yeah. Like, like we make we make our own house made ham, but it's fresh ham. It's, it's like a jamon blanc at Cheval, but it's not. We're not yeah. hanging it or curing no, it. It's like fresh, brined yeah. and then it's cooked. You know, we'll do stuff like that. But like the other stuff, one, it takes too much of your space to do it the right way. And you can kill somebody or make them super sick. Make so it's like, there's it's really good stuff it. out there. Yeah, like, that's like, already, it's already done like, well. Yeah, like, like, yeah. I could, like you I have can, the American Bayota at Cheval. Yeah, yeah, that's already delicious. pretty perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine the way it is because it's it's it fits the cuisine and everything. Yeah. And it's fine, but it's like yeah, we could make a Trisket or a Ritz cracker. But I can go and buy one. But better. then I'd want to. I'd probably hunt you down, and kill you. If you make your own Ritz crackers. If you make your own Ritz crackers. I love Rob Evans, but the one sin he committed was making his own oyster crackers. I'm like. You don't make your own ketchup. You don't make your own oyster crackers, in my opinion. You don't make your own ranch dressing. You don't make your own Ritz crackers because they've already made those things for you. And they're already... Well, and it's also like, you know, I, I used to work uh, with a French chef in New York um, and he wanted to make his own ketchup. Just and, don't, uh, I just don't... It's, just, it's not ketchup anymore. It's different. You know, it never came out like Heinz. And then and so when we served it with, you know, whatever meat we were cooking... Uh, like a burger or like a, and serve it as a side, you know, uh, people would come, uh, customer wants, wants ketchup. You give yeah. me a look. Do you make your own ketchup, Damien? Is that, okay. You give me a look like maybe you do. No, I'm glad oh, you no, don't. I'm, I'm, uh, Joe, I'm from <laughs> Pittsburgh. Like, I Oh, have that's to right. Cause Heinz. on your Instagram, you posted that, that picture of the, 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 the Heinz ketchup yeah, sign. You gotta have Heinz. I don't, Heinz I don't, is perfect. If I don't, if it's, it's not yeah. Heinz. But that's what it is. That's what people want, you know? And so. Um, it really bummed me out that Sriracha went with Red Gold instead of Heinz to make the original Sriracha ketchup. Yeah, whatever. I know. You can just mix Sriracha and Heinz. <laughs> I'm, I'm always, really I'm always bummed difficult. out when I go somewhere and it's like, and I don't want ketchup on everything. But you know what I the get, worst is? Original recipe. That's the old people ketchup. I don't want uh, ketchup at all. Like, like I, you, I don't get really ketchup. you get Hunts, it's like, What's that? It's the same I don't thing. really eat ketchup. Oh, I love ketchup. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't like drown things like ketchup, but I like, I like it as a condiment to like uh, complement other sauces. Yeah. Like you yeah. make like a burger sauce, you know, and stuff like that. You know, yeah, I mean, um, ketchup is this sauce American, right? You know, sauce American. Or is that tartar sauce? You know, like that secret sauce from McDonald's, you know, that's like. Well, right. Which is ketchup and it's it's it's. Diced relish, essentially. You know what I'm saying? Um, mayo. And yeah. mayo. And that's ketchup. Good. That's good. And vinegar. Yep. And I, make, I make a good mac sauce, actually. Yeah. It's good. I'm a, but I, I'd rather have mayonnaise. You know, I'm more, a little yeah, more Canadian I, I, when it comes Americans to Americans are so strange with the whole how taking it back there, dipping french fries in mayo. I'm like, why would you not dip the french fries in the goddamn mayo? I don't understand. I like that. Yeah. I don't like truffle ketchup. I will tell you that. I do not like truffle ketchup. No, that's... I don't like truffle oil, really, so truffle. much. Truffle mac and Unless cheese. Unless it's actual truffles. Know. No. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's just... And that's the thing. Like, you know, I remember when I started doing, like, uh, truffles uh, in Portland, people were like, you know, would send the dish back because they're like, well, dude, that doesn't taste like truffles. <laughs> yeah. You mean what? Like, the shitty truffle yeah. oil that yeah, everybody uses around truffle here? truffle oil. You know? yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Because that's not truffle. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, like, oh, I just put a tablespoon in my... Cup of mashed potatoes is ugh, yeah the worst. <laughs> all right, I mean, are there, I just like the whole the trend thing is funny. People. Like even the whole like chef mentality for a long time, it's all, all of a sudden all, also starting to subside. I think of the whole like all those listicles, like why you can't like where Chef Todd, my alter my alter ego, came from. <laughs> it was like these like you know why you can't date a chef or what chefs do after work, where chefs eat. Like it's almost like embarrassing. In a way, 
Like, well, they must, you know, oh my God, you're telling me they have instant ramen, get the fuck out of town. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like we eat like normal people. We're a lot not, of times. Like, we're not. Yeah, uh, we, we, you know, it's like we don't go home and like have a, you know, a four star meal, you know, like. I mean, th- there were times back in the day when, you know, me and Elma would go home and like, yeah, when we were younger and living in New York, there was a maybe two or three times where we went home and made pasta at like two in the morning from scratch. Because yeah, we and if you're like hanging out, like, drinking, you're hooking up, and you're young and it's cool. Yeah, it's like yeah, you're not like, like pra- practically like yeah, we eat instant ramen sometimes. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I go home and have a big salad. You know what I mean? Like we don't like to, it's like I don't know the whole demystified. I think a lot of people assume because you're a chef, you have really good taste. Where do chefs like burgers from? And you're like. I don't know, fucking same place I like burgers from when I was five. I like, I like American <laughs> cheese on my burger. Some place it's See, because up. American cheese is yeah. scientifically designed to be perfect on a burger. Exactly. It's delicious. I kind of don't like other cheeses on burgers for the most part. No. I think it's, you know, uh, for me, it's like uh, American cheese all the way. Like Maybe pepper jack, but yeah. Something like melty, Monterey, like, yeah, something like, like, you, like that. You do. De- deck out a grilled cheese how any way you want. Like, I'll, I'm down with that, but... Like, that's why we did the burger, how we did it American. at the restaurant. It's like, I love American cheese and thin yeah. patties, man. Because you have to have yeah. American cheese on a, on a, on a it's, it makes the best grilled cheese. We do burger parties sometimes uh, after service in yep. the summer when we do like gruesome amount of covers. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I'll just burgers, you know, on the grill, American cheese on top of that, you know, like yeah. a couple slices. It's just, it's delicious. I do like yeah. the, yeah, like the smash burger style where it's just like, Hard on Slap the heat, it, 45 yeah. seconds, flip it, season yeah. it, cheese yeah, it while yeah. it's on the other yeah, side. Don't worry about the temperature. It's too like much, well you know? done, but it's still soft and delicious yeah. and charred. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Like, like beautiful char, and then, yeah. and then you have that cheese that's super melty. And yeah, overthinking burgers. <laughs> but then at the same time, if you're going to present a quote unquote gourmet burger, I think the one at Cheval is a prime example of how it's done correctly. It's like, it's not, there's nothing silly about it. Like all right. the ingredients make sense. Even though it still tastes like a Whopper, which is amazing. I remember the first time you said that, and you're like, is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, that's great, because usually everybody's trying to make, like, a Big Mac kind of thing, but I just taste, because it it, it also hits your memory sensors a little bit, too, and we're like, and that's one of the dishes we put, like, certain thought in for a certain reaction to it, because we wanted something that was not fussy, because we don't want to be fussy, but we want you to enjoy it. Right. You know, because at the end of the day, too, it's like... We all don't want to all take ourselves seriously because we're satiating your belly and your soul. And you're too. ordering a fucking burger at a restaurant. Yeah. Nobody orders a burger who wants something precious. Was that a thing, dude? I mean, I feel like that was a trend at some point too. Everybody had oh. this amazing. Well, that, that was like, well, I think that was the era of the slider. Right. Uh, the which I don't get. I'm like I don't. But at the same time, I don't like. I don't get White Castle either. I don't. Oh, Joe. I don't. I just oh. don't get it. Like it's just oh. not. <laughs> I don't, oh. I just, it's not, oh. it, you know, I like a lot of ghetto shit, but I don't, I just don't. That's like the, but, but see, that's like the bottom of the barrel and it's like, oh, it's so good. Like, like three in the morning it's coming so home, you know, But it's like, I'd rather stop at McDonald's or. Uh, no, but like that, like White Castle burger where it's just soft steam bun. You know, I think maybe I haven't been in the circumstance. Yeah. I think every time I'm trying to try it, it's been like during normal, normal hours. No, 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 no. You, you want White Castle, like definitely when the sun's down. Yeah. And. Usually, maybe if you've been out all night or getting ready to go, maybe with some truffle oil. Yeah, yeah. You 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 dip the bun in truffle oil after the after the burger's been sous vide first, and then you see. <laughs> My old roommate uh, John Dietz and I. Well, it started because he looks like Daniel Stern from um, Home Alone. Uh, 
which I, I think is funny. I don't think he thinks it's as funny as I think it is. But I always wanted to start this thing. We'd go to these like cater events and we'd be the truffle bandits and we'd just go around secretly adding truffle oil to all the stuff on all the tables. <laughs> and then just leave. So like literally just drench all the food in truffle oil and just get out of there before anybody knew the truffle bandits had showed up. You go to a party at Brick South and just have like a little <laughs> drop and just yeah, just like sort of go along the line is truffle everything. And the whole the whole place just smells like the truffle bandits were truffle. here. Oh my god. How unfortunate would that be if you were like at a buffet and you're like, Jesus, that smell like all the food reeks of truffle. Everything smells like my underarm. I don't understand. Really I didn't think that it would be appropriate to end an episode without discussing, because I like to talk about this, I did this with Rob Caldwell, uh, your obsession with Star Wars. And I think that uh, you've kind of taken the May the 4th be with you dinner yeah. sort of to the next level, which is right before Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Which is interesting. Interesting contrast there. I hate all the Star Wars except for the first three. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so I wanted to tell you that. <laughs> I want to let you know because I feel like there's other people out there who have the same reaction, but I don't think that the other ones even are can be called a Star Wars movie. Well, you know, but the first three are like my favorite shit. Like I have it memorized. Really? And I have the soundtrack I listen to in my car still. So. The first one's okay. Second one's... Mm, third one's like, oh my God, the acting. Wait, so what do you think the good ones are? Well, I mean, I grew up with the with the original trilogy. Right. So like... I was like, okay, that's like great and classic, but the prequels were like, uh, prequels sucked. Yeah. So you're not talking. Are you talking about the prequels? Are no, like- I'm talking about the real ones. Oh, okay. So like Star Wars, Wars Empire Strikes, Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Okay. Who would? Really, who? What kind of person would ever be like? I like the first three. <laughs> there's so many. And that's dude, there's it. so many people that what? are like those I, people yes. are dead to me. Yes. That. Well, that's what I was like. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. But like. Yeah, people no. say that. No, there are people that are usually like maybe I don't want to say like in the, the millennial generation, but like uh, definitely like they were younger whenever the prequels came out, and like they waited in line to see those when they were like teenagers, Ugh. maybe. But like, I dude, can't even handle the oh remakes of the originals that they did with all the CGI. I was like, why is this? This doesn't need to oh, be. Oh, we here. last year for the Star Wars dinner, I went and found the very first time it was put on video cassette mm-hmm. when it was basically the. I um, like that you actually thought that I was going to sit here and tell you that the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> and no other movie was a real Star Wars movie, but the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I like, oh, you know the Jesus, name of the other the two. Yeah, <laughs> like Jar Jar Binks is all I know. He's a great character to clown on, but it's like really Dude, why he is just yeah. I do uh, like that guy Mitch uh, the Fuse just tattoo Mitch like he because he he came to the first couple of dinners and the first time he came he's like I got one sleeve Empire the yeah. other sleeve Rebellion Jedi, he's no. like I want to get Jar Jar but I don't know where to put him and I, and, and I remember him saying do that you know to what me. this tattoo is about friend. You know Steve-O from Jackass, right? Yeah. How he has that. I rock. Like, he has a tattoo of himself on his back. Well, this guy has a tattoo yeah. of Jar Jar doing the exact same thing. Like, his whole back. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like in Jar Jar language, too. Yep. Which wow. is an amazing yeah, he, it touch. It was like the most viral thing of, like, last year. Was that with my upside-down right? crossbow and a bacon that's on my back? Yeah. <laughs> See, I luckily, I, that was 2010, so it was before the internet was, uh, uh-huh. things were going as viral. <laughs> but, yeah. My tramp stamp. You've seen it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like mine better than his, but that's fine. You know, well, maybe it's maybe it's also like you know, it's the same thing. You know, you grew up with the uh, the the first 
you know, the three to six episodes and, uh, you know, and uh, this is why you like uh, Jif peanut butter, peanut butter, you know? Yeah, kind of. You but know? at the same time, it's like if you liked those prequels, you just you have bad taste <laughs> in general. Like Jif peanut butter tastes delicious. It's filled with um, some kind of MSG, I'm sure, and some it's kind of, lots of sweetener oil. and oh, palm yeah, oil. Sure. yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like it's it's like McDonald's. It's scientifically designed. To, well, to like, make you addicted to it. It's yeah. like for me, Nutella, you know, I grew up oh, in Nutella as a Nutella, kid. Dude. As a, as, yeah, as that's a like kid. Crack, dude. I, I love I love Nutella, yeah, you know, you, and that's something that I'll, I Nutella on baguettes, you know. I didn't try Nutella know? until I was an adult. Yeah. And I was working at Bar Lola randomly. And before every meal, the fresh bread would come out of the oven, and then one loaf would go to the staff, and we'd sit there and eat the hot bread with Nutella. Yeah, dude. And that was literally my first Nutella experience, which was weird. Did you like do you like the orange gina a lot, or is that Oh, Orangina? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I loved it. Yeah. I never understood that one. That was yeah, more... Yeah, yeah. No, no, but like Nutella was just like, you know... It, it, I always loved Nutella when you would see it and they'd say like, made with real milk and cocoa. And like, like they like were trying to sell themselves it. Like, on the no, back. Like, yeah. like it was like it was, healthy. It was 100% real beef. And I'm like, they would fill like, the jar and it was like hazelnuts pulling out of it and milk pouring out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like... Whatever they put in there. It's mostly... Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty. But I have to say that I think the uh, the Nutella that's made in Europe tastes more accurately of Nutella than the one that's made in the U.S. And I'm yeah, assuming it doesn't has, surprise me. It's I mean, the same difference with you know when you Coca Cola, you know, uh, in in France tastes different than Coca Cola. Well, that just US. comes down to everything from the air, the water to you know yeah, when things so, come from different places. That's yeah. why you make a bagel the exact same way as you do in New York City, but it doesn't taste the same here. Right. Yeah. It's just the way it is. It's just, that's, you know, I think that's a good place to uh, wrap it up on, uh, gentlemen. Uh, this has been delightful. Thank you both. Thank you to Chef fun. Fred Elliott and <laughs> Chef Damien Sassetti, who couldn't have imagined a better way to spend a Monday night. Monday night, right? Yeah, it's Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday yeah. Then tonight. And I want to thank again our sponsors, uh, Bissell Brothers Brewing. Uh, you can check them out at www.bisselbrothers.com and then uh, visit their tasting rooms in both Portland and Milo. And also the High Roller, High Roller Lobster Co. Uh, find them at highrollerlobster.com and go there. And not only get yourself a lobster roll, but get yourself a burger. Uh, I'm Joe Riccio. This is the Food Podcast. <laughs>